we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Episode 50. Episode 50 of the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Wow. And we're celebrating with another podcast. <laughs> the perfect thing. The perfect, yeah. what better way? Um, Hello. Yeah, hey, uh, Alberta Filmmakers Podcast, things blah, blah, we blah. do, uh, yeah. stuff, you know. Uh, I can't believe we got to 50 episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's me too. Crazy. I thought maybe we'd get to 10 or 12. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because we haven't stopped. <laughs> I think if we were ever like, let's take a break. We kind of did it over Christmas, but not really. Yeah. Like, let's let's split up seasons or something that I think maybe we... Now, I mean, it's too late now. We're, we're, we're totally. committed. Totally. We can't escape. Uh, so congrats to us. That's a nice Congrats to us. We're the best. And uh, I guess we would be able to do this without our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> We'd still do it. And it would just be yep. sitting there getting two listens, one from you and one from me. Right. Um, which is kind of what I expected. So, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. We get a lot of great feedback. Um, it means that, a lot that people listen all the way through. Yeah, that's a good one too. Hashtag listened all the way. Um, but yeah, we hope we can provide some value. If we can't or we aren't or you want us to do better, uh, we will tell you how to do that at the end of the show. So let's get into shooting some shit. What's going on with In Plain View, this movie that we're making? Well, uh, boy, I, I, you know, I think... It, a lot of filmmakers can go and make a short film and just go do it, and that's great advice, and they should. Um, and unfortunately, there's not really a market for short films, so once you complete it, there's festival possibilities and maybe uh, some distribution, depending on the situation. But uh, there's not really um, a market for shorts, so a lot of filmmakers don't dive into that world of trying to sell a full film and so that's finally what we're doing now and uh it involves a lot of uh collateral and a ton uh, of work that's what we've been working on lately yeah because the movie itself is not enough because the movie requires you know a 90 minute commitment from somebody yeah um so you kind of have to sell the people who are going to sell your movie too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so we're pitching it all over again it's like we never made it it's exactly how i was explaining it to someone today uh selling it to those who will sell it because we don't know how to sell it around the world. Yeah, we just um, don't have, you know, we don't have the the contacts or the networks to put it on a screen somewhere, yeah, apart yeah. from, you know, iTunes and stuff, which is part of this model. Not that there would be anything wrong with that, um, but, you know, we're just trying to go big, yeah. uh, as big as we can. And, and what's cool about it is we, we kind of landed on a poster. Right. Uh, it may not yeah. be the poster, but it's the poster it's, we're using. It's a damn good poster. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm and, a huge fan of it. Uh, and and it's the poster that will hopefully help sell to people who may say, okay, now we're going to do our own poster. Right. But um, that's still an important thing. You still have to sell to the people selling. Um, yeah. So, yeah, shouts out to my girlfriend, Britt, for yes. designing that poster. She's it's kicking ass, sweet. for yeah. sure. Um, and we've also got, of course, uh, I'm going to Berlin next week. Uh, to the European film market, where I will be um, trying to sell this movie on top of other movies that we have in development. Um, so if you want to kind of follow along, I'm going to be posting a ton of stuff to the In Plain View Facebook page, probably on Twitter too, just kind of tweeting and, and posting yeah, yeah. videos and stuff while yeah, I'm there. Yeah, that'll be great. Facebook.com slash Plain View Movie. Uh, and you can also uh, ask questions and, and uh, all that stuff, and I'll be chatting with everybody there. So... This week in uh, the Fantasy Movie League. Don't bring this up. Scott. Oh, my God. Don't bring it up. <laughs> it just so, gets worse for me every single that time. That just does worse and worse every week. You bet, you bet big on Monster Truck. Yeah, because kids movies, right? Kids movies, man. And um, there's no way A Dog's Purpose is going to do any bank because 
of that because it's yeah that controversial animal abuse thing but it did because kids love dogs more than i guess so. monsters I guess, so. I guess is the but the worst part is that tyler won that's what really hurts right because he's he threw it in my face long before we knew <laughs> like on friday he's like oh friday estimates are in and you're losing <laughs> i'm like oh what? shit so yeah his goal was just to get ahead of me and he crushed and he ended up getting to the top of the board yeah he came in first so congrats to tyler patrick came in second and ash cake came in third this week awesome. so congrats to our top three repping the um, ymm podcast we've got about four more weeks until the end of the season and then mm-hmm. we and then it gets serious right so the alberta filmmakers podcast league on fantasy movie league will become a prize competition league oh yeah where we will be giving a prize to the winner of the next season so get in now um anybody can join it's not it doesn't cost anything check it out fantasymovieleague.com slash group slash 8337 uh, and the password is ab film all, all, all caps, caps. Yeah. So join up uh, and bet on which movies you think are going to win the weekend, and uh, we will uh, see you there. Yeah, you've only got a couple more weeks to practice. That's right. Uh, before we get into the, the yeah. real season. Yeah. So, uh, what's going on in the Alberta film industry, Matt? Uh, well, we uh, need to offer a, a huge congratulations to uh, Mosaic Entertainment and Chris Craddock um, for their film, It's Not My Fault and I Don't Care Anyway, because it has just received the Edmonton Film Prize. Mm. Awesome. Which is fantastic news. Um, lots of great projects nominated, uh, but uh, the Alan Thicke film was the winner. And it's actually Alan Thicke's second second last film. Um, right. Which is kind of sad. Yeah, that is sad. But uh, he will be playing uh, uh, himself in a movie called The Clapper, um, and that'll be his final film. Hmm. But anyway... Uh, Great, great film. Great news for the uh, for the community, and uh, congratulations. Yeah, congrats, guys. Yeah. Uh, the Canada Media Fund is partnering with Google Canada for something very exciting. Matt, what's the problem with with Canada's you know back catalog of all the films and things that have been made here? The problem? Yeah, the problem is you can't see them. Anymore. It's hard to find them. Yeah. yeah. How do I watch all this stuff? Yeah. The answer is about to become YouTube. Of all places. Really? Yeah, so CMF, the Canada Media Fund, is partnering with, with YouTube to create a new channel that will showcase Canadian film and TV content from as far back as 1995. So Deluxe Toronto is getting in on this. They're going to digitize everything. They're going to play it uh, or prepare it for high-quality YouTube video playback. Um, and, of course, the CMPA is uh, is supporting this initiative. It seems like kind of everyone's getting on board to just take everything that's been – not everything, of course, it's curated, but everything that's been – made in Canada in the last 20 years and uh, throw it on this YouTube channel for us to see. That's cool. Very cool. Super excited about that. So follow along uh, as it goes live. We'll let you know and uh, where to where to find it. It doesn't have a title yet. No. But uh, once it does, we'll be able to find it. Let's place bets on what it will be called. I'll go first. It's <laughs> going to be called The Best of Canada. What do you think? I think it's going to be called Cine Retrospective Canada. Shit, you said French said, accent, yeah, French there, accent yeah. on the Canada. <laughs> that's pretty smart. Yeah. I love to laugh, Matt, and, and I know you do too. And that's why the mm-hmm. next guest uh, just warms my heart because he's like, you never know he was funny, but then once you do know he's funny, he's like hilarious because he's the driest. Yeah, it sneaks up on you if you don't know him. You you don't know that he's joking, right? Something absolutely not. And and in fact, uh, I've been asked, is he an asshole? <laughs> because he's so dry. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> So this is his second appearance on the podcast, but it's right. first time uh, flying solo mm-hmm. with us. So mm-hmm. um, this is one of my favorite screenwriters of all time. 
uh, and an instructor at SAIT. Yeah. And uh, probably the the person in the industry that I owe my career to the most. So Agreed. Right. I, I would say the same thing about myself. Right. Not about you. Well, about me too. Uh, and I would say about you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here it is. Great conversation with Jason Long. I did preparation. I, mean, I, did, I did a ton. I did preparation. I've been studying you for for years now. All right. Since that's we not first a, met. That's not a joke. That's yeah, that's true. true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't been prepping for this podcast, but I feel like my entire life has been leading to this podcast. Yeah. This is that's, it. That's this is true. this is me peaking, guys, right here. Let's set the mood a little bit. We never do this. We're at my place. Oh, nice. It's Sunday night. Oh, did we start? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the fire's roaring over there, you know. The the Bruins are losing probably, and Jason Long. It's All Star Weekend. <laughs> uh, Jason Long is here wearing a Bruins shirt and a Bruins hat simultaneously. Are you a Bruins fan? Yes, and I can do two things at once. I can wear a hat and a shirt and, and, a, shirt. and a shirt. Impressive with little effort. <laughs> Why do you like those hockey players? Um, when I was eight. I wanted to go see the ocean, so my dad said, let's go. And we went on a family holiday to Vancouver Island for the first time in my life. We camped in a campground called the Costalada Campground, and I wanted to go fishing on the ocean. And so they had guides there literally living in trailers that looked out on the ocean. So we went, and they gave us, they knocked on this uh, trailer. Uh, it was a holiday rambler trailer. And... Um, they, they, we met this guide, and his name was Bronk, and that's what they called him. They said, this is Bronk, and he was like a uh, very happy, uh, muscled, uh, <laughs> shirtless, tanned dude who loved to fish, and he took us fishing. And one of the times he took us fishing, he had his best friend Barry out with him, and the next day he said, hey, that was Barry Peterson of the Boston Bruins. And I was wow. a hockey kid at the time, and I'm like, this would have been good to tell me the day before when, yeah. that I was fishing with an NHL hockey player who was nominated for Rookie of the Year the year prior. Um, and that's so then um, I just started, we would go to this campground year after year, and I got uh, a lot of free Bruins posters and fridge magnets and golf shirts, and how could I not be a fan, really? And that, if you're listening, is how you tell a goddamn story. <laughs> So let's talk about storytelling, Jay. Um, I, I love the story of, of um, I think you were applying to get into school. And <laughs> when you just kind of, this was, you decided this is what you wanted to do. Well, well and that was kind of the beginning, right? Of, of this whole journey or? No. Um, I think you're referring to when I got into theater school. Maybe. Which is, uh. Prior to that, I went to York University to learn how to screenwrite, and it's where I found out that university and I didn't really uh, fit, oh. or maybe Toronto and I didn't fit, and I just spent most of my time in movie theaters or um, in my basement suite in Downsview, just kind of um, not sleeping and writing a little bit, and I was uh, just tied up in a lot of classes that weren't film mm. so I did two years of that and I came home and I kind of licked my wounds and felt like a gigantic failure and I really um, 
that's where I kind of experienced in Toronto was like the first big bouts of loneliness, isolation, and just it was a desolate mm. time. Hmm. That's where a lot of bad habits started. Nothing crack related. Um, <laughs> but heroin. I want to. I want to just you, you know. Uh, but like smoking and anxiety, and I think a lot of things right. really kind of like um, isolation didn't really work for me. So I came home. I got back into theater. I started a theater company with some friends, and then I had a friend want to apply to the National Theater School as an actor. He said, "Hey, they have a playwriting program. You should apply, and we can go live there together." And the only reason I submitted it is because he kind of goaded me, and it was literally a half-page application form that you had to fill out with a pen. <laughs> Sign it. I think it was fifty bucks or something, and then uh, submit two scripts. And I only had two scripts ever in my life that were plays, so I sent them in. And then he didn't get a call back. <laughs> I got an interview. <laughs> they take more actors, and more actors apply, so it it, it, right. it was more competitive. Right. Sure. They only take about up to three playwrights a year in NTS. So I got this interview, and I was really upset about it because I knew now the chances were that I I might get in. And the last thing I wanted to do was go off to another school, another city, mm. and experience all that bad stuff again. So the day came, and my meeting was in Edmonton at the Citadel Theater. And I think it was at like 12.30, and I got there by about 10.30, 11. It was really early, and there was a bar down the block. And the Sherlock Holmes, I believe it was. So... I think I was on a quest to self-sabotage myself and not go in there like I do with in, in like a like a typical job interview. Where I was telling them all the things I wanted. I right. thought they wanted us to hear. I was going to be. I'm going to be completely honest, which was my way of saying when they don't take me. Hey, I was just being myself. Yeah. Um, then I can go back to my little theater school, my little theater life in Calgary, and, and not have to worry about moving because that's a big hassle. So I had a Guinness and a couple scotches, I think, and then I walked into my meeting and I met, um, her name was Maureen Labonte. She's uh, lovely. She was the head of the playwriting program at the time, and she's been uh, at the Banff Center for many years. I don't know if she's there anymore, but she, anyway, she's very well known in Canadian theater as a dramaturg, which is like film equivalent of story editing. And she shakes my hand and I say, hey, just so you know, I was really nervous on my way up here and I got here early, so I've been in a bar and I had a couple scotches and a beer before I had this meeting. So I'm, I'm not drunk, but I'm a little buzzed and uh, let's go. <laughs> you can take that right out of there if you want. Okay. Yeah, that might be easy. I'm, uh, I don't like this crouching business. Yeah. I'm crouching over. Yeah, fair enough. And so... So we have the interview, and, you know, it didn't seem to really throw her. She asked questions, and I'm pretty sure that being lightly lubricated um, did make me super relaxed and did make me super honest and probably killed any anxiety and nerves I had. So I walked out of there going, oh, fuck, they're going to take me. <laughs> I'm going to get accepted into the National Theatre School of Canada. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> This is seriously how I thought at the time. And I got a letter, and I remember living in stupid scenic acres with my parents and getting the going down to the mailbox and opening up the key mailbox and getting the letter and opening it right there, and it was like, congratulations. And I was like, oh, this is the worst. Anyway, it's silly. It's silly. And, of course, I had good friends say, thankfully, um, you have to go. You can't. If it doesn't work out, fine, but you have to go. You have to try. And 
At that time, it was only a two-year program. It's a three-year program now. So, anyways, I went, and it was um, fantastic. Where was it again? Montreal. Montreal. Still there. And um, I met wonderful people, and I worked with wonderful actors and writers, and I can. it's hard not to watch a Canadian movie or turn on a TV set these days and not see uh, my brethren's name in credits or other faces on screen. Right, um, yeah. My good friend Billy McClellan, um, he's an actor. He's originally from Cape Breton. I went to the Calgary Film Festival this year and saw Maudie, um, Sally Hawkins, um, mm. Ethan Hawke movie. And lo and behold, there he is playing Ethan Hawke's best friend. Hmm. A couple great scenes. I didn't even know he was in it. <laughs> like, uh, so excited. So it's like that kind of stuff happens all the time. Cause that, and that, so that school worked a lot better right. for me because it was no grades and it was every semester you walked into Maureen's office. Uh, sober this time and she kind of <laughs> said you're staying or you're not staying <coughs> and here's what you want to work on here's what you want to improve and that was it and you were just immersed in everything to do with theater and everything to do with writing and no grades I love it um, no it was you kind of were your <clears throat> own you're just accountable to yourself yeah for the learning right and it was really immersive and I mean we had it kind of easy the technical theater program was crazy and like they were those guys were whipped morning, noon, and night for two years. They were, you know, and the actors for three years, you right. know, got put through the, the rigors. Not to say we didn't work, but it was, um, and so we were graduating class of two. We started with three. We ended up with two. So one didn't make it after year one. Wow. For very, and it wasn't that they weren't a good writer. Just it wasn't a fit for them. Sure. I, right. I think the, in, in that case, that guy was much more of a university mind than I was. And so I think the, re- the reciprocal was he, he didn't know what to do with no grades or. Right. right. Or that kind of check-in. So it was me and Adam Peddle, who's a fantastic playwright in Toronto, who's now um, the showrunner on Saving Hope TV show on is it Global? I believe he's been there for years. Anyways, um, so he got um, a couple of great plays right off the bat, and kind of made his name in Toronto, and now shifted into TV. And he's worked on Rookie Blue and uh, Saving Hope, and um, and he emails me every so often when he wants to bet on a. A Maple Leafs game. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, he thinks I'm a Flames fan, and uh, he'll just hit me up and say, 20 bucks on this game, and I won. <laughs> the last time he did that. And then, uh, anyway, so that's so that's that's my little. So yeah, so the lesson is drink right before your interview. Right. right. And if you get you'll accepted get in. into a program, yeah. go, go do it. Well, I mean, maybe if it's you know. ITT Technical Institute, maybe not, but National Theater School is kind of. Should if you're go. looking for a theater school on sort of a national basis, right? It's the only one <laughs> in our country. Uh, but you yourself are an instructor. How would you How would you perceive that if somebody <laughs> went into an interview for uh, SAIT? Um, I've had students walk into my office hey. um, <laughs> that are clearly um, have been imbibing something. Mm. Um, but they were already lost causes, I uh, guess. So it was different. I didn't, wasn't, anyway, it's, now I'm going to stand by what I said <laughs> and I don't care if my bosses are listening. You have to drink before, right. no, right. <laughs> yeah. before a meeting. You have to. Hmm. That, uh, that kind I'm of completely <laughs> serious, by the way. And that, I want everyone to know that. This kind of humor... Uh, I don't know why they're laughing. ...is reminiscent <laughs> of uh, Robert Cuffley, who was on the... Uh, you guys have a similar kind of tone of humor in, in that 
kind of I, st- I steal from him a lot. Yes, well, yes, I do. I, think, I feel like I think you guys rubbed off on each other I, having worked together so much. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's true. If um, you're kind of a product of each other. Most of my interactions with people who meet Robert and then come to me to talk about meeting Robert, it goes something like this. I don't know if he hates me. <laughs> yeah. I just don't get it. Like, is he like, and they just, cause he's dry and he's, he's very, stone-faced, yeah. right? He's very dry and very stone-faced. Yeah. Yeah. You're one to talk. <laughs> I think you both are interested to see how human beings react to it. I think, I'm... I think you're more psychologist than humorist because you're like, how will they respond to this talk of... That I don't understand at all what you're talking about. <laughs> but he's the master. He's he is my uh, he's my guru, I guess you could say. He's, um, he's the guy that gave me a career. So hmm. thanks, Robert. Well, I mean, is that true? Yep. How is that true? Um. So in that gap time when I was back home running a theater company and not wanting to go off to school again. I was in a, working in a video store, video scene on Edmonton Trail. What up? It's right across from uh, Diner Deluxe, where we used to be. Um, and I was happily working there. And um, Did it become a blockbuster? It did become oh, a blockbuster. Okay, okay. Yep. But it was video scene. Right. And there was uh, an Olympic speed skater named Susan Ock. She, I believe, won a silver medal in one of the 90s. Um, for speed skating. Huh. True story. And she was uh, one of our customers, and I knew her name because you'd type up the thing and go, oh my God, it's Olympic speed skater, Susan Ock. Uh, so this story, she's integral. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> that's not just name dropping, it's right. that's the thing. Let's pin that for later. Because every so often she would come in and she had a hat that said Crop Duster Films on it. And I was into film, I was interested in film, I'm doing theater, but I'm also interested in film still. And... One of my coworkers is like, well, talk to her about film. And I'm like, well, she's Susan Ock. She's kind of standoffish and icy. Um, and I don't mean that just because she was a speed skater. She just was, you know, who is that friendly to video store employees anyways? Some people are, but she was not mean, just kind of a neutral person. Sure. Didn't feel like wanted to talk her ear off. But I finally got the guts to ask her one day, what's this crop duster film? She goes, oh, my boyfriend, Ando, he's... Uh, Starting this film company with his buddy, and they're, uh, you know, making a couple short films and working on things. You know, he's in with me sometimes when I come to the store, so next time you see him, just uh, just flag him and talk to him. What kind of movies did she rent? Don't remember. Okay. Weird question. Um, mostly speed skating. Right. right. Oh, yeah, right. all yeah, those yeah. speed skating movies from the Now 90s. that I think right. about it, yeah. it, was, it was all the speed skating. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Um, did you guys ever see The Cutting Edge, by the way? No. It was like a figure skating movie. Um, with Moira Kelly and D.B. Sweeney. It was about these this these this speed skating starlet. And uh, <laughs> D.B. Sweeney is like an ex-hockey player, and he becomes a, 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 a speed skater to be your partner. And, of course, they hate each other, but you know eventually they're going to love, love each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah. And so there's this one scene that's very famous from the trailer. <laughs> I don't remember the movie. I just remember watching the trailer a lot. And it was him talking to his old buddies, and he's in this coffee shop or something, and people are asking, so what are you up to? And he's like, I've been, you know, doing some figure skating and this old guy in the back goes finger painting it's <laughs> <laughs> best part of the movie. <laughs> nice so i bugged susan ock's boyfriend eventually ando leuchter is his name that's, that's a, real, a sweet name it's a real guy andrew but ando i knew him as ando and he said oh yeah man anytime listen you know uh we're making this uh, short film on the weekend um down at this uh, house downtown you'd be more here let me and i think he even gave me the address 
a time or a phone number or something. It was this was, I believe, yeah, it, not much internet happening back at that, right. that time, I don't think. And he said, "Yeah, come on by. Well, you know, the least we can do is maybe put you to work. We'll have you lug gear or just watch if you want to. Like, just the most welcoming invite in the world." He leaves. My video store partner's like, "Yeah, way to go!" And I'm like, "I'm not going to somebody's not. house that I don't know just because a guy named Ando, who is Olympic speed skater Susan Ock's boyfriend, said I could and will." Because can you imagine? I thought to myself, walking into somebody's house while they're making a movie, and I don't know anybody. I could never do that. My social anxiety was off the oh, charts. Oh, for sure. There's just for no sure. way I'm doing that. And then a couple days pass, and I run into my best friend from grade five named James Hayden, who was also good friends with a guy named Kevin Cuffley that we grew up with together. Kevin is Robert's younger brother. I knew Kevin very well. And all I knew was that he had an older brother who liked Devo. I saw him like (laughs) once at his house. So my friend James Hayden says, hey, man, remember uh, Kevin Cuffley, his older brother, Rob? Yeah, he's got this film company with this guy Ando that I know and they're making this movie at to my at my house this weekend at his oh, at my house uh, James Hayden's own house you should come by and hang out and uh, get to know them I know you're into film excuse so dashed. now I finally I and still even with the best the former best friend like saying come on man I'll be there it's great I still was very hesitant but I went and I finally, you know, so that was like a big. Could there have been like more forces conspiring right. to put you in that? You have to listen sometimes. House. Yeah, yeah I, feel right? like, I feel like this time you didn't listen. Though. Yeah. You just got hit in the head with a hammer. Yeah, you have fate. I, 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 man, I could have talked my way out of that easy, easy. Sure, and I'm sure. sure I was like on the lawn for a few minutes just pacing, just wondering if I was going to go in. So <laughs> I go in and they're shooting a scene with um, Graham Davies, who's from Loose Moose, a legendary mm. He's performer great. that I love. He's great. Um, and he was getting a glass of water thrown in his face as he was lying down, so they had to play the glass over him. And um, the actress, whose name I forget, came up and goes, you sicko, and throws water in his face. And so they shot it from Graham's point of view with the camera under the glass, and I was holding, what do you call them things that block out lights? A flag or a net? Yeah. A piece of fabric? Back then, I think we called them something different. But, oh, um, fingers maybe? Um, yeah, anyway, it's one of those things. I held that. <laughs> okay. And every so often, Robert, every so often, op- every so often, Robert would come up and we'd talk. And there was a couple times I think I made him laugh. That's all I remember. And then from there was, um, I was kind of always on call if they did a music video or were doing stuff, and I would just go and lug gear and sometimes walk in the background. I think I acted in a, like acted in a music video once. We did a short that was a weird short with Graham actually and Tammy Roberts in it called Soother that the world has never seen, but I have a VHS copy. Nice. So that's not my career, but eventually, you know, we, we started to talk about, because I knew he'd graduated from SAIT and every SAIT, every filmmaker that was making film and he was doing corporate, he was doing music videos. He got really big on uh, CMT, the country music. You wouldn't think it to oh, know yeah, him. Yeah. He did a lot of music videos for them and for hmm. Jason McCoy and he was winning a lot of awards. He won a Much Music Independent Video Award for Huevos Rancheros, local band. Sweet. So he was on the ups, right? And I knew um, he kept talking to me and kept asking me around. So we went to Sam's Deli on 4th Street, which is nothing on 4th Street that was then on 4th Street. is on 4th Street anymore. This right. is in Mission. And I said, uh, what's your feature film idea? Because, of course, he had to have one. And he said it's about a brother and sister who don't really get along. 
Sweet. Nice. And I said, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I should write that with you. And because Robert at the time hated writing, it was a mean, as he would say, it was a means to an end to make a movie. He likes to make movies. Right, right. So he knows he needs a script to make a movie. Yeah. And he thought, this chump will just do a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, I'll tell him what to write. And he'll write. And he said, all right. Nice. So that's what began. A four years of fist fights. Verbal fist fights. <laughs> right. We never had a fist fight. Right, right. But four years of me saying, I'm a writer. Let me show you how to write. And him going, I just want to hit this kid I think because I was really arrogant and really cocky but after maybe three years we kind of just settled and I grew up and um, we did that one and he let me do other ones so so hold on you like, like <laughs> there's a lot of stuff here <laughs> yeah, yeah the uh, for four years you wrote turning page is this is that is that correct um, four years from idea to opening screening yeah okay cool oh okay right, so including production Okay, cool. So, what is it, what was that relationship like? Like, how do you co-write with someone? That's not something I've ever done. We went to his apartment in Mission. He had a computer. Holy shit! Was this ninety? Um, one of us would sit down and go, "Okay, what do they say? Where are we?" <laughs> and then I would type for a bit, and he'd say, "No, do it this way," and I'd go, "No, do it this way," and then he'd I'd be like, "Well, you type for a bit." And I think we did that for most of a first draft, and then we realized. If we want to work together, we can never do that again. Right. <laughs> Terrible idea. <clears throat> so we found our own rhythm over time, I guess, and learned that the most important part of writing our story was not when we were sitting down at our respective keyboards and clacking up the scenes. It was sitting in a coffee shop and talking over the characters and what's going to happen. Right. And that became our method. So then we would, you know, divide and conquer. You take the first half, I'll take the second half, and then we would send each other, each other's pieces, and his, you know, half of a screenplay would be somewhere in the 40, 45 page realm, mine would be in the 80 to 90 page realm, because <laughs> I had so many things to say. Now, just because I'm, so. I'm a dialogue heavy writer, and I, I, I had no concept of editing at the time, so I just wrote, um, again, being from theater, you just, you just fill pages, so I really, I had no discipline. Mm. there and he was um, I gotta say patience of a saint so he would take my stuff and half it <coughs> and usually find the gold if there was any to mine so he became it was almost like he was more early on I would write more of the scenes but he would be kind of more the editor and structurist and throw in visual stuff because I had nothing right. visual to add I was all just talking talking heads oh you're done with that thought okay what was the rest of what was the <laughs> I, I don't know it, it seemed like right. it, it's continuing that's how we wrote all right so we wrote sweet. Sweet. okay cool yeah so we still do that that's what we right do. right cool yeah. so what uh what were the two I, I mean we've had you both on but just briefly what are the projects you guys have worked on together that have uh walk all over me right and uh chokeslam and i did a little bit of uh ferocious his third film we started together and then after a first pass i uh left and then did a little dialogue polish for him at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, just I was sort of like a story consultant on that one, really. Sweet. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. So Turning Page now is a script, but it's not a movie. Let's let's jump to that point in time. Um, what what happened to make it into a movie? How did this happen to you? It's another century, man. Um, was it easier? I don't know. Easier than now? Yeah. No. Right. Well, maybe. I don't know. It was our first. So I get the call to theater school, and once I'm in theater school, I find out we got into NSI features first. With this oh, this happened at the same so time. So we had a, we had a first. So we would have had a first draft of like maybe okay. I was just like we had many, and it wasn't called Turning Page. It was 
70 different titles at the right. time. Right. Um, so that got the ball. That was the other part of my, I don't want to go to theater school because I've got a film career because Robert and I wrote like a script, which was like no reason not to go. But when I got to Montreal, that's when things kind of started to take off here from a production standpoint. We got a bit of momentum. We got a bit of, I think we got some broadcaster money for development from a channel of all places who doesn't, <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. Wow. That was, so that was like, so I'm in Montreal saying, we got money? Oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm going to school? And I'm like, this is great. And then NSI, uh, so I got to fly. I left school a little early that year, my first year. I had my meeting, and then I got to go to Edmonton for a week and stay at the Edmonton house. And Because at that time, they had offices in Edmonton and Winnipeg. Right. That's right, and I remember that. And it was a week of mentorship and uh, rewriting and working with a story editor for the, my... I guess we'd had story editing done we we'd broached that before but this is really <coughs> um intense and then there was director mentors there and so they would direct do some rewrites and direct scenes at the end of the week and i got to work with a really cool cat named richard lewis not the uh stand-up comedian from the states but he's um he wrote and directed whale music it's canadian film with maury chaykin back in the late 80s i believe mm. you should really check it out uh Maury Shaken is a wonderful actor, and Richard um, is a great guy. And then he went on to, he was a big producer on CSI for many, many years, and oh, writer, nice. and I believe wrote and directed one of the K-9 sequels, too, the K-999 or something, the huh. John, Jam, Jim Belushi. Yeah, yeah. Um, With the and then, stuff. oh, and Richard also did the, uh, what's the Dustin Hoffman, uh, Mordecai Rickler, you know, Canadian movie a few years ago, based on a novel, the Brown, uh, anyway. People who know film are like, it's this one, dumbass. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, he did that movie. It was a Canadian film. Dustin Hoffman was in it. Maury Chagan was in it. And it was based on a Mordecai Richler novel. Okay. Anyway, so he he's a guy that really taught me a lot. And he and I worked on something different for a little while. I, I got an opportunity to kind of write a script based on a story idea of his that I kind of wrecked. But um, I learned a lot from him so much um, about that editing voice and about trying to be far more concise and... So NSI was really the big, um, our initial push on turning page to get, so I'm learning more as a screenwriter. Robert's taking um, the directing side of things for NSI as well, and he's learning more about, you know, we're learning about, we had a script reading sometime in Vancouver later that year. That was a really big learning experience. I'm starting to, you know, do casting, even though we hadn't got our equity yet. And it took a couple times to telefilm. Uh, Movie Central came on board for a broadcast license. I think A Channel would have also been part of that. I think, and then Telefilm came in for the other half eventually. So we got our nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollar budget. Wow! Somewhere late nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah, yeah. I think. Sweet. Wow! So, that was the budget was a mil. No, it was nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Oh my bad! I was off by one. You're the listener of the <laughs> I listen. I listen well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But why not a million dollar budget? No, no, I'm just kidding. So you've been to the National Theater School and the National Screen Institute. Yeah. Why the fuck are you in Calgary? Because the National Bar on 10th Avenue <laughs> is delicious. <laughs> Mic drop. Well said, well said. No, I, I don't. I, uh, this is my home. So, so when you went into production, what what is that experience like? As for, for someone who <coughs> wants to write their their first feature film, oh, it was terrible. Yeah, not fun. No, because I had all these grandiose notions of oh, we're shooting in Moncton and 
what they do is, of course, I'm saying to myself, they bring the writers out because why wouldn't they do that? And they put us up in this hotel and and I'll be on set hanging out with Nicholas Campbell and Brendan Fletcher. And uh, if they need any rewrites, I'll just be there with my little clickety clack computer to like boom, knock off new pages. And and they'll all just come up and go, man, what a great script, man. That's an awesome. script. And the crew will come over and go, man, Moncton, thanks you. Um, and then Robert says, what? No, you're staying here. Oh, and I go, what do you mean? Film writers. He's like, we don't have the money. We don't have the budget. You want to come. That's cool. But you got to pay. Wow. And there's just no time. Yeah. There's no time to rewrite. So very sobering because at that time I was all about, um, please, um, validate me and love me. I want to be, uh, so it wasn't easy at first and I didn't understand the practicalities of production. I didn't have a clue and he wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. He was just, this isn't, you know, American television. This isn't an American film. This is, you know, this, this was the reality we were shooting out there. Yeah. So when my job ended, we locked our, you know, got our green light, locked our script and they all flew out there. My job was done. Wow. And everyone else's job just started. And mm. that's so that's as a co writer, Robert went off and directed. That was um that's diffi- hard. it was difficult. Yeah. 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 But I was done. Sure. And I'm used yeah. to theater where, you know, the playwright's there till opening night and even beyond if it's a new play, you're still doing rewrites and you're 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 communing with your fellow artists all the way through. There's also a huge respect for the playwright and the and the written word. In theater, in my experience. Yeah, you can't really change it. You can't it. change a word. Not, not it, if they're okay with it. Yeah. Now, you can be a playwright and decide you don't want anything changed, and then your production will never, your play will never be produced. Right. But, so there is some give and take there. But yeah, there's there's a bit more of an honor there, but that's, it's an actor's medium. Right. right. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that was hard, but necessary. Necessary to learn that. Right. And then the more we've had to go through that now, the less I want to go anyway. <laughs> so um, I haven't, I, I have, I've been on your guys' sets um, for features more than I've been on a Robert Cuffley set. Wow. So, wow. and I think mm-hmm. I did a day on Plainview. So right. that's, that's, uh, I, you know, we shot Walk All Over Me, shot in Winnipeg, Joke Slam shot in Regina. So we're getting closer. Yeah, moving, yeah. moving way west. Um, <laughs> maybe the next one will be Medicine Hat. Maybe I'll drive down. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so then what happened? You're done school, production is done on, on Turning Page, then what happened? Oh, more depression <laughs> and uh, loss and delusionment again because I think I came out of theater school in 1999 with, I learned a lot, I made a lot of great connections and friends, but I had an expectation that um, I got a movie coming and I got this uh, theater thing. That I'm it's just happening. Gonna, I'm just going to send a bunch of plays out to everybody and they're going to be like, we're going to just do all the Jason's plays. and um, Or you have that expectation that people will just, they're going to come to me and just ask me to do stuff. And, you know, yeah. one time I went to a video store and, I, you know, I worked in a video store and I talked to a guy and then I got somewhere in a career. That was enough. That was enough of my schmoozing. I thought I was done with <laughs> right, all that. Right, right. No more networking required. No, it didn't really work that way. So, yeah, so there was some, you know, we had a nice screening here in 2001 for Turning Page. And, met, you know, some of the cast came out and I got to meet Nicholas Campbell, which was a real honor. And I think the film at the time screened well and they got four Genie nominations. It wasn't for script. But when we won, Robert and I won a Rogers Award for Best Screenplay at the Vancouver Film Festival that nice. year. That's great. And that came with cash. And I was like, wow. yeah. Whoa. Nice. 
actual currency. Hmm. So again, so and then uh, playback said I was one of I was in a, their top ten people to watch. Wow, big mistake. They should have <laughs> given me that because then I'm like, well then, watch me just soar like an eagle. <laughs> and then I just started working at rental car agencies again and video stores and uh, driving delivery trucks and just you know kind of um, I was I was pretty lost again for a couple of years really until I kind of. Cracked 30 years old or so, 2002, 2003, I kind of started to get it, I think, that the world owes you nothing ever, mm-hmm. ever, everything earned, never given. And then, you know, we started writing something else immediately after turning pay, so at least I had that to kind of go on, but, and I was still humping theater and trying to get plays produced. I had a play produced at Lunchbox Theater, I had a couple Theater for Young Audience plays produced across the country that... Uh, got some you know nice little claim but you know theater's not doesn't if you're not you know supplementing as a playwright in canada you must be really really good but it's hard to that's your sole focus for right income and things yeah so yeah there was a lot of learning again around that time of um don't expect anything go get it fair enough yeah which is so interesting when when you're younger and this this theater school comes through and you don't want to go right how perspective changes when you start to realize you know maybe how fortunate that was and what if you'd said no yeah i fair enough i I don't know if what would have happened really Mm. i think uh i got some really good advice from a Robert's old agent out in Vancouver. I met with her a few times when I was trying to find an agent for film and her husband had written for TV a lot. And again, I was still in this kind of like semi-expectant place and she said that, you know, uh, film and television in Canada for writers or in any country, really, it's a kind of a business that's designed to keep you out of. There's no, you know, CBC writers wanted apply within. Right? There's there's nothing like nothing. that. You got to go shake trees and you yeah. got to go shake hands. And she said, ninety eight percent of any job you ever get in this industry will be from somebody that you know, or referred to by someone that knows you that can vouch for you. And that really was like, ah, can I just be really good at scripts and <laughs> give them to people? The reality was, I wasn't that good at the scripts anyway. I think there's probably a one to five percent of people that could even. Maybe the numbers are even lower than that. Who are just that good that can just be that prolific and bang stuff out and send it off and not have to, you know, from the start don't have to right. do the schmoozy schmooze. But oh, I'm sure it's less than one percent. Yeah, you gotta you gotta work, you gotta work at it. That's the problem, right? And it worries me about about new filmmakers and new screenwriters because you hear about the that comedy writer who was in the writers' room on Thirty Rock and then got an emmy and then went on to you know that doesn't happen like there's uh there's a, a montreal filmmaker who did that film mother or mom mommy mommy xavier Dolan. yeah yeah, xavier yeah. Dolan. and i mean that's that's amazing and he's and brad pitt wants to work with him and like but that's like a lottery thing right like that's a one in a in a million thing so and the assumption always is that well that guy's really really talented right and right. I think talent is, and this is, I steal this directly from an acting coach named Matthew Harrison that I've worked with out of Vancouver, and he was able to articulate it in a way that I couldn't for years, but he said talent doesn't exist. Talent is a myth. Mm. I totally agree with him. I think there are certain things every individual maybe 
when they're born can gravitate towards things, certain things sooner, can kind of get certain things sooner, but without guidance and push and work, it just doesn't happen. And right. it also, whenever, when, if someone ever, if you're listening out there and anyone ever says to you, oh my God, you're so talented, don't take that as a compliment. They're mm. saying you don't work hard. <laughs> They're saying That's you, true, just, yeah. you, you hit a genetic lottery right, and... Right. For some reason, you're really good at this thing, and you don't work at it. They're not trying. I mean, I don't. I don't. They're think not they're trying, trying to insult me. you, of course. No, but but take don't take that as like, yeah, I'm, I'm destined really for greatness. Yeah. yeah, take that as I'm good at something. I really to be great. I gotta. I have to hard work. Work even harder. Yeah. Yeah. So what about walk all over me? How did that come to be? Uh. Right when Turning Page was just going into production or just after Robert and I started working on what eventually became Chokeslam first. Right. And we had a little heat, we had a little momentum, and we kind of wrote that script into the ground after a couple of years, <laughs> uh, really like overrode it, and we didn't, it, like it didn't even have wrestling, if you see the movie, it didn't even have wrestling, it was just a different movie entirely, but the same main character. Some of the same stuff, but just, it was, we, it was kind of a mess, and then Robert went off and decided to write his own script for the first time, and... I was probably working day jobs and not doing much. And he wrote this quirky indie romance that was uh, sometime around. There was a movie that Jennifer Aniston did called The Good Girl. And it was kind of like one of these like quirky indie love stories. I remember, yeah. And it was like, it was yeah. a big deal in, yeah, in the indie the, world. Because yeah. she did a small movie yeah, or something. Yeah. And so this was a story about a, a small town girl moving to a big city. Uh, and her roommate's a dominatrix, so she decides to assume the identity of the roommate's, uh, uh, assume the roommate's identity to, to do some jobs, and she gets a client and falls in love with the client, and it's all very messy and complicated. And he said, "Would you read it and give me some feedback?" And I read it, and I said, "It's good. I liked it for his, you know for a guy who finally wrote his first feature on his own. Yeah, I thought it was really strong." And he said, "I hate it." <laughs> I said, "Why do you hate it?" He goes, "I don't want this. I want something." With a bigger scope that can be more marketable, that's you know can get a bigger budget or you know just something just more audience friendly is what he was trying to hype us. So, so he said, "What would you do with it if you wanted to make it more audience friendly?" And we basically said, "I would you know put in a bad guy and some thugs and a big bag of money somewhere in the story, and that's what we did." That nice, really. <laughs> so that's that's what eventually became Walk All Over Me was taking that indie idea and infusing it with a lot of danger and uh, thriller tropes and it really became a mishmash more of a comedy thriller weird it's very strangely paced I think um, but that uh, and so then again another four year trek on that one turning page we thought we you know the next one would be done sooner it took about another four years and wow but that one went to Toronto Film Festival, premiered 2008, wow. and the Weinsteins bought it that night right. Wow! for American distribution. Crazy. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And uh, that's a huge deal. Like, that's. Yes. And so here's, so but but here's more wonderful. So, yes. So, Toronto Film Festival, I, got, I flew myself out because I'm like, I'm not going to miss this. Yeah. Stayed at my friend Rebecca's. And you think the, the co-writer could get into the after party? No. What? No, I couldn't get into the after party Why? first I, because I didn't have a ticket or I didn't know my name wasn't on a list or something. Uh, anyway, eventually Robert and people showed up and Robert and I think Eklund, Michael Eklund, they yeah. snuck me and Rebecca in and it was all cool. We got in there and ate a lot of food and I met Lily and Trisha Helfer and um, 
like they gave me a hug simultaneously, which was fantastic. <laughs> and Lily Sobieski was speaking in a Russian accent the whole night, and that was uh, <laughs> why? why. Never asked. <laughs> it's just too hot, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. And uh, what else happened at that party? That was really so. That was really um, you know I got to meet Michael Eklund, who now has been in three Robert Cuffley films. Yeah. And he's on Winona Earp, and he's in Edward and Dirk everything. Dirk Gently, right now. Dirk Gently. Um, sweet, sweet man, great performer, and Jacob Tierney, who's gone on to do so many wonderful movies, and uh, as actor and as director and writer, um, we had a great cast. Lothair Bouteau was in that film. Amazing cast, yeah. Yeah, it was a really great time. Um, and at the party, um, I have to tell this story because it comes up every time I talk <laughs> about the walk, the walk all over me after party. So we're outside, my friend Rebecca and I, uh, smoking and having, uh, we were, you know, inebriated at the time. <laughs> right. And, uh, having a cigarette and and um, Lily had just done a movie with Danny Glover, and so Danny Glover was at the after party. And I didn't realize Danny Glover was at the after party. Oh, sweet. So I'm sitting there with Rebecca, and all of a sudden I look over, and there's this this shadowy figure goes goes right up to Rebecca, and he says, "Hello, I'm Danny." <laughs> and she doesn't know who he is at all. And I'm oh looking, shit! And I'm looking over at him, and he's remember when Danny Glover was old? I mean, he's been old for a long. He yeah. looked. This is 2008. He looked so. Old. <laughs> and just that's not a judgment. He just yeah. looked no, like yeah, yeah. it's like it took me a while because it's like yeah. it looks like Danny Glover, but he looks really old. I saw him at the Calgary Expo a couple years ago, and I, I thought the so same thing. So he's really old. God, he that's all. Really, he's an old guy. But he's yeah. got that yeah. big smile, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. recognize him instantly. And Rebecca's like, Oh, hi, Danny. I'm Rebecca. <laughs> Shakes his hand. And I was married at the time, and my wife loved Lethal Weapon, and oh, I, no. had, I said, I got to say something to this guy. Be quick. And I just blurted out, My wife loves you. <laughs> Danny Glover turns to me, looks at me, does that Murtaugh condescending <laughs> smile, walks to the curb, gets in a cab, and drives away. Oh, shit. You scared him off. <laughs> Getting too old I think he was shit. trying to pick her up. I didn't right. realize it for days later. Right. But he thought maybe that was my wife. Oh, right. Right. I don't know. My right. wife is back in Calgary. I didn't say this is not my wife. <laughs> right. Um, but it was cre- that would be creepy if he was really hitting on her because she was we were mid twenty she was twenty thirty right. years yeah, old yeah, yeah. and Danny was two hundred two hundred and four yeah, yeah anyway so that's how the night ended huh walking home going man I chased Danny Glover away from my own after party <laughs> that's wicked that's I, the height of my career it's all been uh, downhill <laughs> Matt and I went to TIFF in twenty fourteen and we went to the Netflix party and Jerry D was there. And I did the same thing, man. I was like, hey, my mom loves you. Yeah, yeah. And he just, fuck, he was not happy to hear that. <laughs> it's like, no, it was like he'd heard that 700 yeah. times. Like, yeah. Just like, thanks, man. That's what that I was, was going that. for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Tiff, let's all go again. That's a yeah. fun place. I also saw Tommy Lee Jones on an escalator. I was coming out of a movie, going down an escalator, and he was going up to a screening, going up the escalator. And so we kind of passed, like, very close. Right. And all I could, I, I spotted him right away at the bottom. Like, that looks like Tommy Lee Jones. And when he passed by, all I could say is my mind, I was like, that Tommy Lee Jones looks exactly like Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Like, there's no, yeah. some yeah. people are like, you mistake them. It's like, no, he was in a suit yeah. and he was angry. Yeah. It was morning <laughs> and he didn't want to be there and he right. was surly. It was great. Was like, that's what I want, Danny. That's what I wanted uh, Tommy Lee Jones to be. <laughs> well, that's good. He made your dream come true. Yep. That's exciting. That was so tough. We... Haven't been back since, but that was fun. Well, my friend Luke Kirby uh, was in a movie, this, uh, The Stone Angel, I want to call it. It was based on a Canadian book that uh, Ellen Burstyn was in. 
same TIFF festival. So he uh, and uh, he brought me to the to their party, which was a really good party, up on top of a giant skyscraper. So oh, sweet! I got to have dinner with Ellen Burstyn and share an elevator with Ellen Burstyn, who wow. I believe has since passed on, but was you know one of the leading ladies of the day. Right. That was that was um, that was a, that was a that was a privilege. So I yeah. was really grateful, my friend. That was his date for that screening. Sweet. Luke is on. Um, uh, he just wrapped on Rectify, the TV show. If anyone mm. guys watch yeah, Rectify, yeah, yeah. he plays I'm, the lawyer. Mm. Um, I don't watch it, but I hear good things. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good show. It's it's slow as molasses, but in that really really good way. I, mm. I think I'm still like two seasons behind, but it's good TV. Sweet. We we talk a lot about storytelling. But we don't actually talk that much about storytelling, the 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 art of storytelling, mm. which is I don't think we're training enough storytellers here in Alberta. Right. I think SAIT can only do so much. It's a technical institute. I think they they train excellent technicians. So how do you feel about that that feedback as the storytelling instructor there? What's going on here? Well, do you disagree? I I I, I in quotes I teach storytelling. I teach script writing. And I don't really think of them as very different disciplines. Yeah. I I know that in my five years doing it there, sometimes on TV, but now on film side, that uh, first semester is one-third are really keen on writing, right. one-third are kind of in the middle, and one-third are really terrified. And it's the writing that they're terrified of. It's not storytelling. It's writing. Hmm. And once you can frame things as storytelling is what everybody does every day of their lives. As David Mamet would say, we're you know, we're born to do this shit. Yeah. We're 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 storytellers from when we're really, really young. My seventeen year old boy tells me stories. He doesn't know English. Yeah, it doesn't know a lot of words, but he 17, tells me stories. Seventeen month old. Did I say years? Yeah. <laughs> my seventeen year old daughter <laughs> is an excellent storyteller. There you go. All right. <laughs> my seventeen month old son, uh, he's a little lazy with the words. Hmm, doesn't yeah, yeah. doesn't talk a lot, but he'll tell you a story. He will create. He will decide that he will duck down behind something, and now um, we're into the story of where did River go? Right. 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 This we do this so. Um, you need to communicate to people in so my job in two years of state is I'm not trying to craft I'm not trying to craft critics. I don't want a nation of critics and I always say, you know, some people are really into analyzing film and watching movies and analyzing what people did right and wrong and I'm like, I think that has its place to a point, but I um go to critic school if there's such a thing if you want to be a you know, a film critic. I don't care about that. Right. Um we all do storytelling and it's just a matter of being able to speak to camera techs about how this is going to improve their skills as a camera storyteller, how editors are going to be better storytelling with their software, how producers and directors are going to be better storytelling, you know. So once you just break everything down, it's all story. I think then you can um, build people's skills as writers, and the best way to build their skills is get them to write a lot of stuff. Right. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. A lot, and then more, and then more, and then more. Just do it. Yeah, it's something that's really hard to get worse at, I think, mm. just on your own. 
And if you're intense enough and do it enough and seek feedback and seek, you know, critique and you want your work to get better, we're in the midst of one of the graduating students writing their 20-minute scripts, that their their final script that they're producing in February and they're shooting in 13 days. And this kid got his story pitch selected and was the happiest man in the world. Dalton, I hope you're listening right now. <laughs> you better be listening, Dalton. Because you're not happy right now. <laughs> Um, when we're, you know, have to have to lock in 48 hours for right. this podcast and he's done a mammoth amount of work Yeah, in, in, he's, you know, done five drafts and he's done five drafts in a month and maybe three intense ones in the last 10 days. So he's wow. been, and a lot of it, and you know, there's, there's my notes as his instructor, but there's also his, you know, DOP and his director yeah, and his yeah. producer. He's getting... He's getting notes from all sides, and he's quickly learning that all that great stuff we wanted to put in the script um, can't, can't happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So that's the production side of things. That's a, that's a whole different beast. But we don't. Um, I don't go in there trying to trying to convert anybody and mm. trying to you know sell them on being screenwriters. I think um, if writers know editing, they're going to be better writers. If writers know camera, they're going to be better writers. So I think the reciprocal is also true. Mm. Nice. And um, if we're all in this for similar reasons, it seems to be to make stuff, yeah, make the movies. So the script is just one part of that. Right. What if there's somebody in the audience listening saying, "I want to be a, a screenwriter in Canada"? What what should they do? Where should they go? School-wise, you mean? Well, I mean, I don't know. Do they need school? Depends on the person, I guess. Um, it can't hurt unless you go to York University. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work for me, okay? Um, Ryerson's a great school. Um, Vancouver Film School is very expensive, but I hear it's a good school. SATE is a good school, but I think if your goal is to be... If your goal is to be just a writer, and I think that was my goal... When I got into film, because again, social anxiety disorder 101 is I just want to stay in the basement and get adulation, but I don't want to go mingle with people. Right. That's a big mistake. I think the some of the best writers I've come across at SATE haven't been the ones that have been really keen on writing as much as those that are really keen on editing. Hmm. That they and they and they they apply their trade as editors and they know they can write story and they know they can write script because they get that. When you come out of film school, one of the last things you're ever going to get paid for is writing. Yeah. People people need grips. People need uh, post-production. People need colorists. Yeah. Um, so do something else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and SAID is good for the toolkit because you can, you, can, you can sell a lot of people on your resume. You know, saying you went to SAID is one thing, but saying you've got you know, experience in post-sound and experience... Um, with all the new camera gack that we get every year, right? And yeah. um, learning about you know intellectual property and transmedia and all this stuff that we're starting to like roll through now, that's really important because just a writer, I'm here to tell you, and I'm I was a good writer, not a great writer. Just a writer doesn't get you very far. Right. You've got to you've got to be able to look people in the eye, and you've got to be able to hustle and be hungry. And so, damn it. Um, have as many skills in that toolkit as you still write your scripts and as you still get story editors. Be a story editor. Yeah. We used to get script notes all the time for turning page from 
from telefilm. They would farm the scripts out to readers, and A Channel would do the same thing, and you'd get feedback. And you guys have been down this road. And the best feedback was so, so helpful when someone kind of got what we were trying to do. And it really changed everything. And they would pull out things that we never would have thought about for the Mm. next drafts. And that was really wonderful. But on the same side, we'd get people that just just came across like bitter failures who had a personal agenda in your... They they didn't want you to succeed because that means they can't succeed, which is an absolute load... And this is a great city, Calgary, for a film community. It's small but thriving and strong and knitted, but there's a couple of poison apples in the well Mm. that will, um, in probably in every city you go to, that will step on you, that will give you bad advice, that will say, no, you can never do that. You shouldn't even try to do that because they think that if you succeed, they won't. And that's the exact opposite is true. Totally. If you guys go to con with Plainview... We all succeed. Indeed. Right? We all are like, yeah, we're from the same place. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so that's, yeah, so that absolutely. is, that is my message is be part of the community because the community is great. And through CSIF and through, you know, there's so many people out there doing stuff now that it's really hard not to kind of stumble on them, I yeah, think, from time absolutely. to time. On, whether it's on Facebook pages or the CSIF, you know, the, the mailing out. Form. We're going to their classes. Um, I'm just those are and screenings, festivals, getting involved as volunteers. Like you will just you will meet the people that are looking for stuff. How do we get on this train? I can't remember what the question just, was. Just if you're a new writer, how do you? I think do that's other all things great and be advice. be. Um, don't be afraid to be a, a person out in 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 the right, world. Right, right, right. Don't just be in front of your computer. Yeah, and if you have anxiety and you have you know. You know, there's some things that are that are working against you some days in your, fa- you know, not in your favor. Um, acknowledge those things, but also know that you know there's nothing will feel better than kind of going out and, and meeting people and um, finding people with common interests. And you know, you're gonna kind of have to, unless you are, unless you can do it all. And I don't know that someone's done that yet. On a, you know, if the goal is making feature talky picture movies. I can't think of someone that's done it all by themselves yet. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So you need other people. You need you need collaborators. You need you need collaborators. So learn another skill and go on sets a lot as other things as background. Yeah, as, I totally agree. Um, yeah, whatever you can, whatever, however you can get on set. Get I think invited it makes to you someone's house and they're shooting something over the weekend. Go hold stuff and yeah, yeah. lug gear, man. Kevin Dory, the writer of In Plain View, is totally. Yeah. He he says, you know, having been through production now, he he would write very differently, right? Knowing, especially for budget, right? Like getting uh, certain yeah. places in cheaper ways. Um, it's good advice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one more utility thing. What how do you, what do you use to write? Like, what do you use software wise? Uh, mostly uh, movie magic. Oh yeah, okay. Mainly because we got it free uh, years ago, or when Robert and I were starting out, like really, really starting out, we didn't know what to get. So somehow we 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 bought. I think you know, based on our first round of development that we got. So we may have been writing our first drafts. I guarantee it on Word or something. Right. Wow. Foolish like that. But um, I believe after we got our first round of development, we paid for a screenwriting software, and I think it was. At that time, called Screenwriter 2000, (laughs) 
Now wow. And we've just been we've just been upgrading it ever since. So I huh. I like it. It's fine. It's good. Yeah. I've done Final Draft when I had to write for TV. I had to be on Final Draft. Uh, a friend hooked me up with Final Draft. Nice. And uh, <laughs> um, it's fine. It's got more tricks, and I know there's a ton more out there now. Um, I always tell people um, if you're starting and you don't know, don't buy anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's free stuff. There's right. Keltex. I think Adobe has a free something. Oh, do they? So it's on my state laptop. There's some, anyways, um, but Caltex, you know, you can get it for two weeks, and then they'll say, hey, pay to upgrade. You don't have to. Hmm. Just keep doing it. Um, go to the bottom. There's, like, small print or continue. There's some kind of, like, you know, yeah, they'll right, try to right. sell you on the upgrades, but yeah. you don't have to. Sweet. Um, there's ways to find downloads, but that just, and that, you know, that gets you your basic understanding. It doesn't do a lot of tricks. The page count is off, so when you go, if you're on Caltex and you want to know what your true page count is, you have to go to PDF. That's right. Because um, the page count, for some reason, it's it's, yeah, it it's faulty it right. design. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. No, no. If if it does the thing of aligning the characters and the the the, the dialogue down the middle and giving you the slug lines, there's not a there's not a producer, broadcaster, funder alive that reads and goes, uh, "This is Keltex. This isn't John August <laughs> thing." I'm not going to talk to this writer. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Sweet. Here's here's a, here's an argument that I have with people sometimes because I don't know the answer, so I just fight it out. Does a screenwriter write a script or a movie? And I say that as when you deliver your script, your job is done. Right. But I also say that as you're you're not writing a movie, you're writing a written document that is meant to be read, not viewed, not watched. Mm-hmm. Is there a right answer? Well. I think it behooves most writers, this is just from my experience, and it's what I try to teach, when you're in the process of writing it, you're not writing the movie for 90% of your journey. Maybe you get greenlit and then you got to start you know, thinking of things in more practical terms and maybe you start to write a bit more of the movie. Right. And I guess it also depends if you write a director. Fair enough, yeah. Directors will sure. eventually start writing the movies and in fact, you know, you'll you'll... Out of 30 scripts in my class, I can pull out in the first semester when I, I'll pull out the five or six that really want to be directors because you can see they've, they've laid in their, their shots. And right. They're very, you know, they're, they're trying to direct on the page so that anyone can pick up the script and not screw it up. Right. Which they can. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, you're writing the script. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody writes a play to take it to a certain point and then stop and want people to go buy it as a published work. Right. No one's going to pay to read the next Jason Long play. Hopefully, if I ever wrote another play, it's about the the goal is getting it on the stage. So the goal is getting it on the screen. Hmm. It's probably advantageous to be more focused on giving it a really good read, making it read really well, so that you can get people to read it, understand it off the page, Right. process and go oh I can see how this could be a movie I see the story layout I see what you're doing an actor can go yep I know that character a DOP can go I know how to shoot this then when you've got that when you've got a document that people are inspired by and can get behind maybe then it becomes a movie uh, or the template for the film but I don't think you can start there mm. or at least I can't start there um, because I'm not I'm not really directorially built 
I'll right. direct stuff sometimes that I think I want to direct the odd short here and there, and maybe I'll do a feature in my lifetime. I don't know. I hope you will. I don't know, Scott. I just... <laughs> busy with things but um i i I teach because i think it frees people's minds that you're writing the script you're not writing the film Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i like that answer okay yeah cool settles it for me that makes sense all righty well i feel like we've got tons more to talk about yeah but one day we'll have to have you back and uh well thanks Um, of course and i said robert you know Cuffley was a big part of my career. When I met you guys coming out of SAIT, I was hoping there was going to be a better segue for this. It just didn't happen <laughs> talks. So I'm just going to say it at the end. I'm going to lump this little All right, sweet. lump of uh, loving on you guys. You in particular, I point to Matt. Uh, when I met you at the whole uh, Cold Read, Cold Read Calgary, Calgary, with uh, you were running it with AJ Demers and another actor whose name I forget. <laughs> um I met you and you were just out of state and you're like, meet my friend Scott. Scott's got this script called Synapse and I met with you guys and we had some meetings and very early on, this is, it's kind of you guys and Anna Cooley and Kiefer Dallison's that kind of got me to state eventually as an instructor. Yeah. Because I just, that's when I started to, you know, I talk about kind of coming out of the shell and doing stuff. You know, prior to that, I was mostly still the basement guy, mm. really. Huh. So meeting you guys and kind of getting out in the world more and making shorts. We made a few shorts together. And just, you know, socializing, if nothing else, was a big, was like another turn in the road for my career so that I am doing more work with other people. And it's kind of, you know, I found, uh, you know, Kevin through teaching at CSIF. And that's kind of, you know, how Kevin kind of eventually landed with you guys. Right, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, Sandy Summers, who I'm working with now, you know, I've kind of met through those kind of oh, channels man. and Corey Lee. So, so much we haven't talked about. I know, I know, so I know. all these wonderful uh, people. So it was kind of, if I had to kind of go back and say, where did that all start? It was really with guys like you who were so engaged in doing stuff. And we did that crazy uh, web series, you uh, jelly that I think I'm going to show to the second years tomorrow. Cause we're doing web series and it's, <laughs> nice. it's still, it still plays. Yeah. Uh, but you know, <laughs> That's when I wanted to get into making more stuff. You know, yeah. there was, you know, I talk about four year pauses between turning page and walking yeah. over me yeah. as a co writer. And then Chokeslam, you know, we started that in 9 11 hadn't happened yet. Wow. And we screened it last year <laughs> at SIF, wow. right? So there was a big gap in between where we didn't do anything. But that's a lot of waiting. And so yeah. I was really process driven and I still like writing as a process. But I did get to a point as I got older then still do that. I want to just make more stuff yeah. or be a part of it. I don't have to be a writer, even acting or even you know producing now. So there was, there was a... Um, what do you call it when the the shakabuku moment from gross point blank they talk about where you get a kick in the head that right spiritual kick in the head that alters your perception forever and you guys were sitting in the auburn and you were talking about film and stuff and someone mentioned the name judd apatow i don't know who was uh, yeah it wasn't just you two sitting there it might have been another one of your cronies and one of you said why not us (laughs) <laughs> you guys were just out of film school and someone said Judd Apatow and then the other said why not us and you were 100% sincere and I took that away from me and I was like it took me a while to kind of get my head around that but what, what was happening was you guys and I, I teach this, I tell this story to every class that before you meet them because you guys come into my classes all the time but they've, they've heard me say this yeah. 
that you guys decided at some point that you were professional. Mm. Right. Whether it was writers, producers, whatever. You were just film professional. Maybe you were in school. Maybe before you even got there, you just decided. And you probably don't even remember the time where you did. But you did decide. Mm. And that's why not. That's why that could happen. Because right. you decided you're professional. Because there isn't... You can get a piece of paper from SAIT that says, I did two years of film school. Sure. It doesn't make you professional. You can get your first paycheck... It doesn't mean you're professional. You're a professional when you decide it, and then people will treat you that way. Right. And that's, I truly believe that. And man, it wasn't until after I met you guys. So you guys were coming out of film school, and you're saying all these nice things, and you're buying me scotch, and saying <laughs> I did all these things on Plainview, nice words, card, and all that. But you guys uh, are the reason I finally, one of the steps or one of the encounters, relationships I started to forge that got me on the track of going, oh, I have to make that call. I got to make the decision that I'm professional. Mm. I hadn't. Wow. And I was, you know, over 30 and had a couple features under my belt that I've written. Kicking Danny Glover out of a party. I was waiting for the metaphorical handshake from the union or the guy saying, you made it, chum. (laughs) You're in the the writer club. (laughs) Uh, Here's a cigar. That's seriously... And I think that's it. Part doesn't of, happen. When it I really talked doesn't. about that yeah. that that expectancy you can have or um, entitlement. It doesn't happen. Yeah. There's no club. You decide. And so I think that's why my, at least the students that I've been working with in the film in the last couple of years on the state side, like eighty percent of them, they got it. They got it already. They get it. Um, they have their ups. They have their downs. But they are they're working in the industry already. They just mm. that's how they conduct themselves. They they are pumping out some. Top class, yeah, man. Kids right now for sure. This but graduating you, class. Uh, I hope they're not listening. But, um, <laughs> Dalton, I'm, turn it off. I'm going <laughs> earmuffs. To, I'm going to miss them yeah. so yeah. much as a group. Um, I said it last summer after the their first year for the first time ever after taking a <laughs> leave state in April and we're like I need a break. I'm like I miss those guys. Um, <laughs> and so I will. I really oh. will. But don't think you're going to get away saying all those nice things about us and. And I and I think I found a good segue here because when you say that, and I just said that moment doesn't happen. You don't get the handshake. But I got to tell you, I think it's I think it's true, for Scott as well, that when I first met you, you were the like you did. You popped in. We were doing the Cold Read Calgary thing, and you just kind of casually swung by the table and talked to AG. And I was like, that guy wrote Walk All Over Me and Trisha Helfer and, and Lily Sobieski are in that movie. So there was for you to acknowledge us as filmmakers. That kind of was our like you made it chum moment. As close as it's I was going to say the same thing yeah. we, we've had in this discussion, where nobody nobody comes to you and says I want to work with you. You know, you got to you got to do it yourself. But then, yeah. but then here you are coming to us saying, hey, let's do something together. And we were like, well, I yeah. read Synapse, man. Yeah, and that was enough. <laughs> really, you made me write it though. It was just a short, and you no, said yeah, write yeah, the yeah. feature. I read. I you well, said write the feature. Whatever version I read, I yeah. was like, yep. I'm in. So that'll be a good movie someday. Someday. One day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thanks for thanks for being that guy. Yeah, I us. mean, there's there's still so much to talk about. So oh, just yeah. listen for listen and, for yeah. Jason Long Part Two in the next like month or two because for sure we yeah. just got to get you back. Maybe let's wait till after Ice Blue is yeah. done, okay. and then we'll talk about how it went. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. But follow <laughs> uh, you know, follow us yeah. on social media. We're retweeting some of the stuff that they're doing. They're reposting, and and Scott Lepp is doing some great social media stuff for Ice Blue as well. So um, definitely check out the process. That's uh, that's going to be a fun project to watch. 
Yes. <laughs> Agreed. And in so few words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. You didn't record this. No, we didn't. No, oh, no. Oh, no. We weren't hitting record shit. Well, Oof. so much more to talk about with Jason. Yeah. Um, it's too bad we had to cut it short, but we'll have him on again, especially uh, with news about Ice Blue. We didn't really um, uh, talk about it, the project. Not at much. all. Yeah, yeah. So Ice Blue is, is a feature film that's uh, being supported by TELUS. Um and, and it's kind of a team up between Scott Lepp, who's been on, Sandy Summers, who's been on, and Jason Long, who have all been on the podcast. Yeah. And, they're, and they're making this movie together. So uh, they're just announcing casting details right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be following along uh, with the journey of this movie. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back into the news you can use. Upcoming deadlines, the Shaw Rocket Fund uh, is constantly on the lookout for investment opportunities in great Canadian content that will fuel the imagination of children, youth, and families in Canada and abroad. So the Rocket Fund is uh, currently open for applications. You can check it out at rocketfund.ca. The Production Access Fund is open for applications uh, until March 1. Uh, And uh, there are uh, four different uh, routes you can take. The Fish Fund, the Cultural Equity Fund, Aboriginal Voices Fund, and the LGBTQ Fund. Um, so each one uh, has, uh, I believe, somewhat different. Um, uh, what would the it, none of its money, but it's like right, in-kind in kind services yeah. from the CSIF. So um, this is a semi-annual thing, and it's something that uh, needs needs you to submit. Yeah, it needs more subscriptions. Otherwise, for sure. it goes away. Yeah. So um, if you if you uh, if you have a short film idea that you want to do. Um, you can get uh, uh, thousands of dollars in in-kind stuff from the CSAF. So you can get all the gear. We, we tapped into this fish fund with a short film that we did uh, about eight years ago. Um, and it was great. We got, we got a film camera and we got all the lights and all the, all the stands and everything that we needed to make this film. So uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, and they're actually having an info session. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Um, I was I was talking with uh, with Nick about this. He says I'm totally stealing your idea, and I was like, it's not our idea, but do it, man. That's great. There, yeah. Where's that? Where's the info on the uh, info session? It's just the last block here on February 16th. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, and it's open to members and non-members alike. So even if you're like, what is this Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers thing? Um, go to this uh, on February 16th um, and check out the space while you're there, and just kind of get an idea for what the CSIF is, what they're trying to do. Uh, and maybe turn this into an opportunity to make uh, a short film. Definitely. Um, so I guess uh, I guess it's my turn again. Is that well, you kind of hijacked I'll, me? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I did. No, 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 no. That okay. was it was a good story, and and it it is a good fund. So I'm glad we. Uh, but I don't know what this is. The CFF HGF Script Contest. Mm. So that would be the Canadian Film Fest and the Harold Greenberg Fund, um, putting on a script contest. Uh, and uh, the film festival runs from March 21 to March 25th in Toronto, and uh, Harold Greenberg will be providing $10,000 cash to the winning script. Sweet. Um, so apply for that. Yeah, where's the deadline on this? Uh, the regular deadline is February 10th. Okay. And the late deadline is February 20th. Ah, there we go. And gotcha. late means it's $10 more um, USD, so 40 bucks American to apply. 50 to apply late nice totally nice uh calgary arts development has um an artist opportunity grant that they're putting on uh, and the deadline is like basically now it's february 6th which is monday uh and their goal is to invest in professional development opportunities for individual professional artists in calgary allowing them to take advantage of short-term opportunities that will develop their careers 
Um, the budget for each intake is $30,000. Um, and they kind of, I think they dish it out as they feel makes sense. And I don't think there's too much uh, structure around it. I think it's just if it's something that uh, sounds interesting to them that they want to put some money into, uh, they will. So if you've got an idea or you've got something coming up that uh, you might need a little bit of help with, check them out at calgaryartsdevelopment.com and look for the Artist Opportunity Grant Program. So uh, we were talking about this uh, a little bit last time, but I kind of didn't even realize how big a deal this is. It's this, huge. It's a request for proposals from the Heritage Minutes, the people who do Heritage Minutes, which I guess is Historica, Historic Canada. Ah. Uh, not Historica Canada. Historica. Historic Canada. Uh, we grew up on these. Yeah, of course. These are cool. Yeah. Remember the the Morse code one where the where the I didn't learn anything apparently in no. Nova Scotia. But maybe. Morse code was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember? Uh, yep. Uh, so <laughs> you have the opportunity to put together a wicked uh, proposal uh, for your own version of this, and uh, it can even have a maximum budget of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So this could be a pretty serious uh, project for yeah, somebody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So if you love those heritage minutes, I know Grant Harvey directed. Um, yes. One yeah. or more. And uh, John. Stamos. No, not John Stamos. <laughs> I don't want to miss that name. <laughs> 507. Um, who's the guy who does uh, <laughs> Crow's Nest Films? Oh, John Kerr. John Kerr. And I've seen John Kerr. Uh, right. Uh, like Instagram from the set of one. I don't know if it, that was the one that Grant was directing. He might have been production managing it. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's cool to see our community getting involved in that, uh, and it's a national thing. Absolutely, yeah, so. super exciting. So um, you can uh, apply to that by finding the link in the show notes um, because the website is historicacanada.ca. <laughs> is Funnily, it? Yeah. yeah. Historica? Historica Canada. Yeah, you were right the first I, time. I saw that correctly. Yeah, 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 you did. Anyway, Historica Canada. Historica Canada. Weird. Historica Canada. All right, I don't feel anyway. as dumb about it. <clears throat> uh, Luma, which is the quarterly um, media arts publication uh, joint venture between M Media and the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers, is now accepting pitches and previously unpublished finished works that aim to expand critical dialogue about media arts and film. Um, it doesn't have to be Calgary-focused. In fact, they encourage something with a Western Canada focus. Uh, submissions are due February 14th for issue number eight, and successful applicants will be notified at the end of the month. So uh, there is a bit of an honorarium. Check it out at lumaquarterly.com slash submissions. The Particle and Wave event, uh, which is something that Media puts on uh, fairly regularly. It's the night for you to immerse yourself in media arts and live audiovisual performances and screenings and installations. Uh, there's another one coming up on February 4th. Uh, that's this Saturday uh, at Festival Hall. And uh, this one has... Uh, performances and films by Raylene Campbell, Grayson Cook, Shlomi Greenspan, Matt Lindenberg, and Jada Tsui, as mm. well as Jay, uh, sorry, as well as Jay, Sh J <laughs> uh, as well as John Osborne. I'm oh, so, John. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> Untrained Animals and Matthew Waddell. We need like a disclaimer at the start that's like just a blanket apology for everyone's name. Yeah, yeah. Because I guarantee we've never pronounced a single name right. Yeah, I have trouble pronouncing John. Yeah, that's even just, John. Yeah, so. sorry. I was saying Jason. Uh, so yeah, check that out. It's $15 in advance, 20 at the door. And you can check out mmedia.ca for more information on that. Uh, there's an event. This is the second annual event coming up at the end of the month called Story Summit. We've been to every single one of these. We've been to every one so far. <laughs> um, and it is a fantastic event full of great discussions and roundtables and workshops. Uh, and you can attend if you're listening. 
Uh, and even if you're not, you can still go. So it's happening from February 23rd to non, February 25th. Non-listeners, non-listeners the may end. also go. <laughs> because nice. we're not putting this on. This is being put on by Ampia. <laughs> yes. Um, and it is occurring at the BAMP Center from February 23rd to 25th. Uh, it's $300 uh, if you don't want to do the workshops and $400 for the workshops. I would recommend splurging and doing the workshops because they're amazing. Um, there's some great stuff about um, VR and uh, financing and all sorts of cool stuff. So um, we're going to be there. Uh, come say hi and check it out at storysummit.ca. So we've talked about it a few times, but a two-week intensive course called The Camera Loves You with Chantelle Perron, who is uh, uh, amazing. We love her. Uh, and was in our movie. Uh, you got to check out facebook.com slash the camera loves you uh, because it's a uh, four night, two week event for $425, um, all about um, kind of auditioning and uh, understanding the technical world of the audition room. Um, so it's cool. It's coming up. You've heard us talk about it. Check it out. Uh, IATSE is hosting a set etiquette and protocol workshop. So if you don't know what this is uh, and you're new to the film industry, this is kind of the first thing that you need to do. It's the first course that you need to take to get your set etiquette certificate. And that certificate is the only thing that you need um, to get on a, a union film set. So uh, there are a few of these every year. And the next one is on February 11th run by IATSE. It's a three-hour workshop uh, and it covers the very basics of film vocabulary, who's who on a film set. And the first day etiquette. And after your first day, you will definitely uh, have a way better idea of what you're doing. So it starts at 9 a.m. to noon. Um, and it is a mandatory workshop for acceptance into any film department in IATSE. And, of course, with the director's skill as well. Um, it is $40 to attend. And you can find out more at IATSE, I-A-T-S-E, 212.com. Check it out. In Edmonton, the FAVA screenwriting uh, workshop is happening from February 21st to May 16th. Um, and that is kind of the the flagship screenwriting uh, workshop that Fava puts on. So now's the time to get involved. Um, so if you've been looking to write something, a screenplay or a teleplay, uh, this is a great place to workshop that script and uh, get some support and feedback on your work. Yay. Uh, so what's shooting? Um, Fargo continues its march onward. Um it's really cold outside, so I'm I'm not jealous. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. <laughs> um, what else is going on? Uh, Winona Earp, um, right. which we've already talked about all the great CSA nominations. Um, yeah, I guess it's just just trucking. Yeah, keeps keeps on doing its thing. And of course, Knuckleball feature film uh, shooting up in Edmonton, which looks really cool and has Michael Ironside in it. Ironside, amazing. Who's just got the best voice uh, ever? I love him. So, uh, that's about it for today, except for our recommendations. Right. So, every week we, we throw something out into the world that we're enjoying or we think um, you might want to take advantage of. Yeah. What's your recommendations? So, uh, we've been working with uh, the wonderful Telus Spark. Um, right. And uh, I have had more than one uh, sneak preview uh, of the Starfleet Academy experience, which is opening, I suppose, this coming Saturday. Uh, big event tomorrow night, though, to launch the 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 situation. If you haven't, if you don't have tickets to that, and you're a big Star Trek fan, I don't know what you're doing. Jonathan Frakes, Lavar Burton, Garrett Wong, all coming, um, and uh, it looks like a blast in there. It does like look I've, like one hell of a good time. <laughs> like it yeah. looks really cool. So what is it? So it is. Uh, well, firstly, the fellow who I just found this one out. Uh, the, the the fellow who owns the largest collection of screen used props and wardrobe is. 
has has his collection as a part of this exhibit. Wow! So costumes, props, um, you know, real phasers from the show. Uh, like there's a there's a head of lore, I think Lore, who is Data's brother, um, and uh, re- some really cool stuff. That's all part of it. But then that's all peppered throughout. Imagine you're walking through, I guess, Starfleet Academy, and you get to test your hand in medical and tactical and command. And, oh, and learn science? And learn science, yeah. Science. <clears throat> Sweet. So it's very cool. Yeah, it looks like a blast, and I can't wait to just try it out myself. That's a really cool recommendation. I'm jealous of yours. <laughs> Mine's a little bit lamer, um, but something that we've never really talked about before. Um, sometimes people wonder how they can get more involved in the Alberta film community, um, and there's always something that, comes up that people just don't think about, and that is joining a committee on your local organization. Mm, yeah. Um, so FAVA and Media, Ampia, the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers, they have committees that are open to members. Um, so you can come and sit in, and the, the meetings aren't terribly often. It's not that much of a burden on, uh, on what limited free time we have. But it's a great way to um, kind of get involved in these organizations, help them out. Um, if you need some volunteer hours, it's a great way to do that. And if you're not happy with how an organization say, is doing something, if you're a more if you're a more veteran or, or yeah. senior member of the community like, and uh, you don't like the way something's happening, you can affect you, change. You can actually just go in and change it. I mean, the CSAF is a perfect example. Um, you know, it is it has fluctuated in how popular it is, um, and, and that was kind of why we joined. We were like, we want to help. We want to create this, or not create, but you know, bolster this community of filmmakers and support this organization that's doing great things. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing. We're, 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 we just joined the committee. We said, hey, can we join? And they said, yeah, please. And, and then we ran for the board and now we're on the board. And it's, it's creating change from within, Matt, mm. instead of um, a, lot of, a lot of filmmakers in Alberta have this kind of maverick attitude of I'll do it myself. I'll create my own film club. Hey, guys, we should get together and create a film club. And that's great. And that's fine. And, I, and you need that entrepreneurial spirit to be a filmmaker in the first place. But there are existing organizations that have that have been around for decades um, that have offices that have you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. that have uh, structure and infrastructure and uh, and are here for these very purposes that you might be creating a film collective. So just join, man. Just get involved. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Well said. That's uh, it. And with that, uh, we want to thank Briar as always for putting together all the news and information that we go over every time. It's a great resource. Absolutely, and it doesn't happen without Briar. Uh, and like we said, if there's something that we're missing, or or hey guys, <clears throat> you know we need we need to talk about post production more, or hey guys, why haven't you had? Uh, um, I'm trying to think what we haven't had on yet. A color grader on yet, mm-hmm. or, or or something like that. You know, get get your asses in gear. Um, we want to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. So uh, let us know because this podcast was designed for our listeners. So uh, how can they do that? How can they reach us? You can email us at hello at abfilmcast.ca and you can tweet us or, or tag us on Instagram or, or, or get in touch on Facebook. We're also on SoundCloud. It's all abfilmcast and uh, you should subscribe on iTunes if you don't already. Absolutely. And give us those sweet five-star ratings. It's important. Yeah, it keeps the podcast floating and uh, allows it to be more discoverable by people who may not know that it exists. Yeah. So thank you for listening. And go, go make, make something. something.